we are creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. So I want to welcome John Michelle to the Working Artist Project. Thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. So, you know, it's a funny thing in America where people don't consider, they don't think about African-Americans being multicultural or bilingual. and You happen to be both. So, you know, you have a Haitian background. What's that like? And what was that like growing up with a Haitian background? And, and, and how did that contribute to your music? That's interesting, man. Um, there's like two answers to that. There's the answer that was happening and then the answer in hindsight. Okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when it was happening, it was just happening to me. So basically what I grew up in this town called Waterbury, Connecticut, you know. Um, real Haitian. Yeah, real, real <laughs> Haitian, you know. Not really knowing how I ended up there. You know, all I knew is that my parents immigrated here from Haiti uh, I had family that lived in Stanford. I had li family that lived in Norwalk. There were more uh, Haitians there. I went to church in Norwalk, which mm -hmm. is like a 45-minute drive south. Um, but then, you know, like my everyday was Waterbury, Connecticut. We moved to a neighborhood that was primarily Italian. You know, um, I went to the neighborhood grade school. I went to the okay. middle school that it fed to. Then I went to high school, you know. And um, I mean, as far as I knew in school, or as far as anybody else knew, I was just like some other black kid, right? <laughs> right. Um, but it, as I tell people when I got home though, I crossed that driveway and I was like a little version of Haiti. You know, I spoke French. My first language basically was French, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, I spoke Creole, you know what I mean? Like my cousins came and stayed with me you know, we ate rice and beans. I played soccer in the backyard. Like, all these things that are kind of like, you know, um, traditionally Haitian, I guess, for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. Or, um, But then, again, like, my school life was like I was in, like, honors classes, you know, and I played soccer and I played basketball. So I was, like, this really weird version of, like, a black kid in school, but there was something different about me. Like one of my friend, close friends actually didn't even know I was Haitian until after we graduated high school. Damn, how'd you hide that? <laughs> oh, I, I didn't. I didn't. It's just that like there was no, there was no real outlet for me to be Haitian. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, I played music. You know, if somebody asked me, yeah, of course I'm Haitian. Or like in French class, people knew I was Haitian, you know what I'm saying? Or I knew, they at least knew I spoke French for a reason, you know? But again, like nobody really asked because nobody really cared if you, you know what I mean? Right. Um, as far as the musical influence, I mean, that's it's everything because my parents both sing, my dad plays some guitar, you know, and church, I played in church from about nine years old on, you know what I mean? So that was... That's really where I played music. I played trombone in school again. You know, I was like the black trombone player. Like, you know that guy, you know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> it was different because there weren't just a whole bunch of black people in where what I was doing because of the neighborhood I was in and then the classes I was in, you know, I played basketball. So black people around there, I played soccer though, which is a white thing here, 
but in my country, it's the only thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, I wasn't really staying away from black people. I was just doing things that made me comfortable culturally, you know? Um, but yeah, anyways, musically, that was it. Because when I, by the time I got to high school, I didn't really want to play trombone. So I played like in the, uh, like a citywide symphony orchestra. But okay. then I was, I was playing bass in church. Uh, you know? And then jazz kid. Okay, so you started playing bass in church. Like your, yeah. your pop, your mom gave you a bass. Yeah, my dad, my dad, we had like a church meeting. They need a bass player. He was like, "Oh yeah, Jonathan plays bass." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but did you? Did you actually? No, no. <laughs> I didn't even. I don't think I even owned one at the time. Um, well, was your Was your dad the preacher or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was. He well, he was one of the leaders of the church. Okay. Really. Okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Man, so like, do you do you think like that that cultural diversity gave you an edge over your your uh, you know your other brothers and sisters in the music and uh, outside of it? I think that it. What it what it does it it got me closer to like the point of Black American music, you know, like I didn't really my first exposure to Black American music I guess as like a musician like understanding that I got it was the blues like BB King Buddy Guy type of stuff. I was like, oh yeah, I get this. This is this is dope. You know, I learned a couple of licks on the guitar, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then when it came time to play like straight ahead same sort of deal i was like oh yeah i get this this is cool not again not really understanding the the closeness of what i was doing like know. based on the music you were hearing at home you mean well based on the music i was playing more you know and, and hearing at home but at home i was hearing a lot of contemporary gospel you okay. know because i have an older sister who plays keys and violin and she sings you know and so we were listening to a lot of like you know there was like take six in the crib and there was uh, Ron Canoli, like an old CCM artist, you know, um, uh, Israel, you know, all the regular Kirk, you know what I'm saying? Like all the things that were kind of new, but in terms of like the musical, like straight ahead blues swing thing, there wasn't too much of that going on in the crib. So okay. I was just, I was hearing it for the first time from these outside sources. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. So yeah, man, like, what what obstacles have you faced because of your Haitian descent, if any? Like, were you, were you p- picked on at school or? No, you know what? That's that's an interesting thing because that goes into why my dad moved to Waterbury. You oh, know what I mean? So why, why, he told you? No, I mean he he did tell me, but I think that that was actually one of the uh, one of the side effects that he didn't really understand or he didn't really he didn't foresee it necessarily because he didn't grow up here. You know what I'm saying? By the time he got here, he was older. So he didn't have to go through the high school experience of the, of the African booty scratcher and the, you know, all that other stuff. Right. <laughs> I, haven't heard, I haven't heard that in a long oh, time. Oh yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So when living in Waterbury, like people, people don't even know enough. This is, this might sound wrong, and I'm trying to find a good way to put this. Hey, speak the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think most people who are racist in Waterbury care enough or know enough about black people to realize that my heritage is not the same. You Uh, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I I just don't know. A lot of that division... From what I understand, again, because I haven't, you know, I didn't grow up in Miami. I didn't grow up in Brooklyn in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? 
So, but I feel like a lot of that comes from a knowledge of Haitians. Exactly. You know what I mean? And then a knowledge of the prejudice, mm-hmm. you know? So they just don't know, didn't know enough. Like I said, they didn't, some people I went to high school with, they probably know now that we're Facebook friends and I, every May 18th, I put up a flag. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, oh, oh, he's Haitian. Oh, yeah, that's right. The earthquake. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, wow, I didn't even know that about John. I went to school with him for 15 years. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think that there's, it's just, I didn't really experience it like that. I think what I did experience was uh, not really uh, people in leadership positions not really understanding actually where I was coming from, but not taking the time to figure it out. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And this is, and honestly, this not even, this is more, again, like growing up in the music realm because there's an awareness of my culture and because the path that I've chosen to take takes me along like a, a, for lack of a better term, like a, a sort of black sort of tradition you know what I mean? I haven't really come up with any, come across anything that hinders me as far as, you know, being Haitian. It's, right, right. you know, it's the other things that happen. See, th- this kind of leads into my, well, two things I want to say. One, like, that's like uh, uh, Americans, racist Americans or whatever. Pe- they they choose to be ignorant in that right. respect, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I feel like in America, uh, I'm white America needs black America to fit into this neat box. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think that is? Because white America can be multicultural. Right. You can be right. Italian, mm-hmm. German. You can be all of these different, you know, if you talk to your white brothers and sisters, they're going to tell you they have a thousand different cultural backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you walk up to one of them and be like, oh yeah, I'm Haitian, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, they're going to look at you confused. Right, right. Why is that? Why is that? I, th- I mean, there's a, Again, I know I'll, I'll bring it back to the same thing. There's a general the lack of interest in the humanity of man. This is really rough, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's it is what it is. You know, at a certain point in this country, black people weren't a whole person to white folks. Right. It was you know I mean they were a whole person to black folks, but to white folks here they weren't a whole person, and that's who was making the rules, and they made that rule. You know what I'm saying? So like to to evolve from that thought that they evolved to, apparently, right? At some point, they had to come to that. So the previous generation hadn't said that officially, but this generation said it officially. You know what I'm saying? So boom, here we are. Now we got to come off of that to a point where I think they're a person, and if they're a person, then they came from somewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just, the, the people who do care, you know, they're, they're in a minority, obviously, because, it's hard to find some sort of uh, proof of a general acceptance of black humanity in in this country. Right. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's to generalize and say it's everybody is, is not right. But to, how do you just pick out specifics all the time? You know, at some point we have to address things in a larger way so that we, there could be some sort of change even in thought, if not in action. Right. So I, mean, I want to get a little bit more into Philly. Mm-hmm. It's funny you said, because we was leading into that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was it like coming up musically in Philly? Like, what were the opportunities you had? Were you in camps? And like, how like how did you develop into, so, uh, you know, a virtuosic musician? Ha, I moved to Philadelphia after 
after I attended college. And um, uh, man, this, that's a very, that was a very de like developmentally uh, important part of my life because I was able to really get into, again, kind of the, the tradition of black American music, you know, um, outside of a scholastic setting, you know, kind of like, you know, I got I had to learn how to sing for my money. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Um, for lack, of, you know, lack of a better way to put it, um, you know, the opportunities. It started out, you know, there was a jazz club there called Ort Leaves, and basically, you know, my first week there, I went to Ort Leaves. I went to Chris's Jazz Cafe of the Jam Sessions, and I kind of just hung out and met some people. And you know, after after a while, maybe about a month or two, or maybe even three. I was hitting at Ort Leaves with Mickey Roker and Sam Dockery. Oh, damn. You know, and, I didn't realize uh, you played with Mickey Roker. Yeah, man. I, I played with Mickey. Mick, I mean, that like the formative, like playing, you know? I mean, it's funny. I was, you know, thinking about it now, I was totally unprepared. My bass didn't have a, a pickup on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you I had was to get like, your sound together. I, was, I had to get my sound together. I was playing <laughs> through like a, I was playing through a mic, through an amp. You know what I mean? Uh, and you know Mickey was just driving the bus, dude. And right. it was like it was Sam Dockery on piano, and, um, and this woman named Nina Bundy. You know everybody on stage was like above sixty five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's when you learn, though. It's like yeah, you get it yeah, in. man. That's I mean I, I I learned a whole bunch. Learned a lot of what not to do. You know, and then you know it wasn't all gravy from there. You know I had a unfortunate situation with my upright, and that took me out of commission for a minute because. Here I was just starting to work, and then my bass was down. Oh man! So now I don't, I can't work because I don't have a bass, but I can't get my bass back because I don't have no work, you know. <laughs> and right. like, actually, a, you know, in hindsight, a bass player buddy of mine like let me hold his bass for a little while, but then I'm trying to make rent. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't even have like the extra to like. Eventually, I had to give him his bass back. So then I had to play electric. You know what I mean? And now I haven't played electric bass since college, since before college. Since, you know what I mean? Like, back in church. Back in church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I got to school. I was playing electric all the way up until school, and then I had to learn to play acoustic. So I kind of put the electric down. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was playing keys in church by then. You okay. know what I mean? I was playing a way way more keys. I, I'm not, I don't even think I played church, played bass in church until I got to Philadelphia. Oh. You know what I mean? So it had been like, six seven years you know what i'm saying like it's been a minute since i picked up the bass and started getting some work and i was playing all the wrong stuff man i was playing a whole bunch of like trying to play creatively and blah 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 on the electric bass with these wonderful singers that were giving me a gig you know right. and they were like yeah mm, no <laughs> you know so now i gotta figure it out you know um i i picked up a gig in in morocco you know just like playing a residency and it was kind of like just you know playing a bunch of covers basically you know so i kind of got it together and then i got the call from billy paul and the first rehearsal we played you know i learned i thought i learned the music and he kind of pulled me aside he was like hey man um you know you really gotta you gotta check out this music man you know you need to listen to me and listen to me you need to listen to marvin you need to listen to james brown okay. and then come back to rehearsal you know ready to play right you know and that was like that was the beginning of like a five four four five year journey with Billy Paul, where like by the time I left that band, like my understanding of this music and like my place in it and the tradition and all that is like 
was was so much greater. I was basically able to move here and contribute to the scene pretty pretty quickly because mm-hmm. of my understanding. You know what I mean? Right. Man, are you involved in any uh, community building projects or activities here in New York City or Philly or Connecticut? There is there's some things that kind of that I get involved with on kind of like on the periphery, various like especially um, uh, organizations that that help in Haiti. You know, okay. um, just by you know playing events and being part being parts of different things, recordings and things like that, that kind of help in that direction. Um, but nothing nothing too officially as i mentioned before my dad he's been the head of an organization now for almost my whole life you know uh, it's called hand to hand for haiti oh, okay and you you can find them online and they they make weekly trip trips weekly <laughs> at least yearly trips to haiti in which they um they do they do uh like uh, christian outreach and they do uh medical screenings and you know there's various things involved and i mean over the years it's gone from like you know there's like agriculture programs and there's you know they bring out doctors and they bring out dentists and they you know they do these things that kind of like actually help with you know getting the people well some you know in some ways right you know and then you know just the general equipping them with things as opposed to giving them things you know they do take donations of clothes and money and food and you know they they they're always sending um food uh especially food and clothes they send pretty pretty often um this is an american-based company or yeah it's yeah it's it's based it's based out of waterbury and it's you know um it's just it's my dad started it you know okay cool yeah yeah, somebody's in somebody's living room you know what i mean in like 1987 or something like that wow so he's had it going for a long time yeah yeah you know various iterations and people that kind of have gone come and gone but you know there's a board and there's you know it's a non-profit you know kind of do their thing and um stay out of the political fray you know and just kind of stay you know with the people yeah man that's dope man yeah that's dope so that's that's you know a part of what my future includes heavily being involved with hand to hand for Haiti. Um, I just you know just trying to get the the artistic career part together so that that time is clear. You know, right? Um, yeah, man. If could you give some advice like to to the young brothers and sisters coming of of Afro background mm-hmm. and other to like do what you have done and more like what would you say man i would say there's there's no replacement for getting your butt kicked you know um there it's it's nice for people for you to feel good all the time but it's it's much better to be in this tradition for real you know um i used to say a lot of times you know they don't give out no a's on the bandstand you know (laughs) Um, a, a, a large, a large part of that was because I was like very anti-school, you know, which I'm not, I, I'm, I, I'm probably still anti the establishment and, but you, you went to school for music. Right? I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. Um, I'm not against, I'm not, I'm for education. Okay. I'm not yeah. for the racket. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm not yeah. for what the racket engenders, what the racket gives forth, you know? The entitlement that oh I got through this racket so now I deserve this you right know? I call that a celebrated mediocrity yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know it's 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 interesting to see you know people that I went to school with 
I'm saying not even college, I'm talking about high school and such, that were the A student, mm-hmm. you know, and they, you know, they're figuring it out now. You know what I'm saying? Like the high, you know, the high A student that they're just figuring out life because life is life. Yeah. And, you know, winning at life or getting the A in life is has a lot more to do with who you are and what you're searching for than it does with how well you do it. Exactly. You know, so I would, I would suggest that everyone invest in the tradition, you know, find, find your place in the tradition, whether it's being under, you know, an older person or, you know, being around, going out there to the jam sessions or whatever it is that puts you out there into the tradition, do that. Some people say, well, I don't like to go to jam sessions. Then find yourself an old head and have them whoop you because you might like the jam sessions better. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. know, there were some things that Billy, <laughs> Billy said to me, you know, in hindsight or Charles Fambro said to me or even Nina Bundy, you know, she was a sweet woman. She had like this super high pitched voice. And she called me one time. She said, I haven't seen you out. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't got my bass no more. She's like, well, who'd, who'd you tell that? Did you tell me you had no bass no more? I was like, no. She said, well, if you did, I would have told you that I'm going to send you a check. What's your address? And she sent me a check for a couple hundred bucks. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's some real community. Though. Yeah. You know? And I was like, deep. oh, wow. Okay. I need to be communicating more with my with with the people in my community. That's mm-hmm. just what it comes down to. You know? Because some people knew that I didn't have a base. But she didn't know. And right. she sent me a check. You know? So wow. you got to put yourself out there into the tradition. It's not put yourself out there to 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 be Branford, you know, to have the money of whoever, to right, have the right. gigs of whoever. It's go out there to be in the tradition because the people you love that you aspire to be, that's what they've done. You know, yes, there is a practicing and the learning learning the music and stuff, but that's all in the tradition, you know. Um, you know, the, the, just countless cats that, you know, learned to play straight ahead, made Motown records. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, countless cats who learned to play, but now they're managing at a high level or they're in the business somewhere else. So you have actually have no idea what the end product is. If I, if you would have told me I'd be living in the Bronx, you know, playing at Smalls twice a month, just as an example of one of the things I'm doing, I'd be like, oh. That might happen, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> right, I because right, right. I didn't really set out for that. What I set out for, to do was to make sure I was in the tradition of this, and I found mentors. Mentors found me, you know. And I'm not where I want to end, but I'm definitely on my way, you know. Yep. Um, you know, I think that it's also it's really important to be socially aware. You know, at all times. What do you mean by that? Socially aware means like actually understanding what the people, like understanding the energy of folks and understanding what people may be going through at any point in time. Because we are, we're artists, you know, we function to serve people at a very, very like natural level, you know, at a, at a, at a, a part that touches their emotions. And if you're not really in tune with what's going on, you know, and you, for example, I play at Smalls, you know, where the audience ranges from Europeans to 
music, you know, or to uh, let's say Europeans, but tourists, musicians that are serious who live in New York, who don't live in New York, and others, you know, right. Um, so the music I'm presenting is probably going to be on this, you know, for lack of a better term, on the straight ahead edge side, presenting the tradition, you know, and but I can still find a way to play above that you know, to play above what they're searching for if I'm not in touch with who comes into that place all the time. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's really important to, like, make sure you understand that, like, you know, somebody coming from France to listen to, to listen to music at Smalls is a different, it comes from a different sort of society than somebody coming in from Brooklyn who's born and raised in Brooklyn and is coming in because this is the highest they go in the city. Right. You know what I'm saying? But then you've got to find a way to connect with the both of them mm-hmm. so that they have a positive musical experience. Yeah. You know, and that's not that's not something that we should take lightly. So staying socially aware, you know, at all times and being open to that constantly. You know, being if you you might not call yourself a people person, you don't have to talk to people to understand people all the time, you yeah. know. But yeah. you have to yeah. observe, you know, right. you can't just be in love with your sound and with your writing and all of this stuff and not realize that like, man, this isn't landing. I've played this song seven times in seven venues and it never lands the way I want to. What is it me? Right. What am I not understanding? Is it too fast? Is it too slow? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, is maybe my sound needs to change. Maybe we need to open it up with a pe- like all of those things are actually kind of based on like people's reactions, and that's your responsibility. You know, right. you hire a carpenter to build a house. You can't hire a carpenter and be like, "Hey, man, do me a favor. You know what? I think you need to put that wall this way." Like, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the carpenter needs to know. Oh, they want the wall this way. How do I do that? Right. You know? right.